Actually, what's up, everybody? Great show on dirt live from the Sweet B Studios. Today is opening day, and I'm here with Kyle Malzahn, Cubs Live at Cubs underscore Live. What's going on, man? Dude, opening day is finally here. We've been waiting for this day forever. I know you and I have been talking about it for months now while I appear on your podcast, dude. It's it's crazy, and a lot of crazy stuff has happened today. So I'm excited to talk with you. Everything baseball, uh, I'm excited. Dude, I lost my mind pretty much the whole entire day, dude. Like, I compared it to, man, if you've ever watched the movie Gremlins and all, like, the nice little gremlins raid the kitchen and they're shoving their face full of food and then all of a sudden they go crazy, dude, that's what happened in my day, man. I'll start off. It's 20 till 1. I got two MacBooks. I got a monitor. I got two TVs. I got, like, two iPads and a cell phone, and I, I lost my mind, man, literally. I heard, and this is where we're going to start, man. Pitch numero uno, my man. This March 29th is the early earliest any baseball seasons ever started the pitch that was thrown at 12:40 eastern time to to ian happ was the earliest pitch that's ever been thrown ever man in the history of major league baseball he sees one fastball 10 seconds after our announcer jim deshays goes well he's really gonna you know get into one if he sees a fastball early on if he sees a juicy fastball and what happened dude ian happ <laughs> one pitch it. what pitch he crushed it. Dude, he was like Mike I mean, Tyson, like knocking somebody out, dude. It was just done, man. Slaughtered it. I mean, I mean, dude, look at his spring. Look at his spring set. He had seven homers, most of those coming in the leadoff spot. And, like, he came into camp. He's like, hey, Madden, look, dude. Not, <laughs> I'm not quoting him, but basically this is what happened. Like, look, dude, I want this leadoff spot. Like, he wanted it, and he put up a spring training campaign to get it, and he got it, and he made the best out of it his first at-bat. We're not going to talk about what happened after. I think he got three strikeouts. It doesn't matter, block, dude. But yeah, it doesn't matter, dude. He set the tone right away, and when he hit that ball – I was like, "Are you kidding? Like, you couldn't, you couldn't script this any better no for way. Ian Happ, no way, a guy man. who, who kind of made a statement in spring training and came along and took on that leadoff role. Just when he hit that, I was up. I was pounding like my couch. I'm like, let's go, dude. I couldn't yeah, believe dude, I was, it, man. I'm Jack just talking about it again because seeing Ian Happ do what he did, it was amazing to start off the season, and then you all of a sudden get those thoughts two minutes into the game, like." All right, guys, this is going to be another fun season. And, like, these bats are so good. I can't even talk. But I know we'll probably talk about it later. But, like, Ian Happ wasn't the only guy that homered. Dude, and there's all, a man. lot of guys no way. who are going to be big home run hitters on this team. Dude, the whole, the whole game had a complete – like, I could feel, man – the way the team played on both sides of the ball had a completely different like feeling and a completely different energy than what we saw in 2017. And like you said, man, it was all up the lineup, dude. Jason Hayward, man, the ball, he got like, I think one hit maybe in the game, dude. And he barreled it real good. Even John Lester got an out like in the second inning yep. and he barreled the ball pretty good. Then like, I'm watching like Addison Russell get what he go two for three today or something? Yeah, he was on base, I think, like three times. Dude, yeah, he was getting good cuts, man. And he's one of the guys, dude. Like, so I listen to your podcast. So shameless plug for my boy Kyle. Cubs Live has a podcast now. I listened to it on the way home from work yesterday. And you and uh, Mike and Ryan were talking about um, who's going to hit the first home run. And, like, one of my first thought was, dude, Ian Happ's going to hit a ball the first the first one he sees. And I was so pissed at myself when he hit that. When he hit his home run, I was mad for, like, a solid 10 minutes because I was like, dude, I should have tweeted that, man, because I knew it, man, just like any baseball fan wants to say. But in the back of my head, man, I was like, dude, Addison Russell, man, you know, this is a guy that at one point in – 
2015, right, when the top 100 prospects came out, dude, he was higher than Francisco Lindor and Correa and Corey Seager, and he's had, like, obviously he had a 2015 that was good, right? He uh, he had 100 RBIs, but then 2016, personal stuff, right? But what 24-year-old isn't trying to find their way in life, right? And, like, for me, like, exactly. his, his 2018 can be huge, man. Up and down the lineup, dude. What's what was kind of your number one takeaway from this, from like the offensive side, man? Like, what did you see that you liked, and you said, "Oh crap!" Like that's going to be good. I think it's just the power this team has. Yeah, you know, up and down the lineup, we have seven or eight hitters that can and maybe will hit twenty plus homers. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm going down the lineup, I think that Hap gets twenty plus homers, like he did in his rookie season, yeah. and he shared time with Elmore. He wasn't playing every day. I Bryant will get it. Rizzo, Contreras, Schwarber, Elmore. I don't see him getting you know twenty he homers. Get the playing I time, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Playing time will be played. So I think Russell. He has the potential. If we can get a Russell back in 2016 that drove in 90 runs and get that pop, like you said, he was a highly prop. Like, he was a high prospect, and if the Cubs can get Addison Russell to get that back going that they always wanted for him to go, he could easily hit 20 homers. Jason Hayward, don't see it happening. Javier Baez, I think he can. Um, Just Mm -hmm. up and down this lineup, we have guys who can just hit the ball. And I think just if you take a step back and look at a third-person perspective on this team, if you're not a fan of this Cubs team, the one thing I think a lot of fans think is just how – powerful they are we don't have guys like you know Stanton and Judge right in the middle of the lineup mm-hmm. you know our compared Bryant and Rizzo and obviously they aren't gonna we hope they have 50 home runs but in reality they probably won't hit 50 home runs but I will take a little balance over two heavy loaded guys because we have guys who can be in that role and hit those 50 ho- mm-hmm. you know hit those long homers but man it, for me the biggest takeaway was just the power of the Cubs have and it got me excited for what if this is what 2018 entails like you said Jason Hayward was getting a good crack in the ball Addison and Russell was seeing it well so if this is a little case of what's to come granted we did play the Marlins but that's not to downgrade the Cubs I mean this mm-hmm. team is going to be really 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 good Urena was he was a productive pitcher last year he was 14 and 8 with like a three and a half era right like they got yeah he's like obviously he's not an ace but that's a pitcher who i mean pitches the good numbers and is consistent and that's something if the cubs can beat that type of pitching consistently up and down the lineup like they did today this is a good like this is a good omen for what this team can do because they didn't face a slouch by any means but yeah like what you said man this thing you don't have like you don't have like these two big guns and Stanton and Judge on a lineup. But what I feel like with these guys, if you can get consistency one through eight, you can't pitch around anybody. You know? So like if you're facing a team that like if you're facing the Red Sox and it's like, well, let's walk JD Martinez to get to Jackie Bradley Jr. because we can get him out. But like I'm looking at this one through eight right now and like, okay, I gotta pitch to Hap and let's say I wanna walk Bryant. I can't pitch around Bryant because Rizzo's next. And then after that, Contreras is next. And then after that, Schwarber's next, and it just goes on and on and on, man. The consistency is crazy, dude. So I like everything that you just said. And, yeah, they faced a good pitcher, no doubt. Yeah, they did. I, and like I, like I said, I have my own podcast now, and I talked about dude, it a it was little good, bit. I, yeah. If there was one person I was afraid for in this series to go up against, it was Araya because, oh, yeah. because like the, the guy has good stuff, but you saw early on the control wasn't there. Maybe it was nerves. I'm pretty sure this is his first opening day nod. Have, uh, yeah. Don't quote me on this, but um, this is a guy who has really good stuff and who could have got to the Cubs because, like we said, the Cubs are heavy hitters, but they do strike out a lot. And they did today. They got their fair share of 
your strikeouts, mm-hmm. but in the end, the power outlasted the strikeouts, and that's what this Cubs team is going to do in 2018. Yeah, that's going to be huge because, like, the team is still young. So, like, Addison Russell may be in his third year, but he's, like, 25. Chris Bryant may be in his third year, but he's, like, 26. But my big thing is with this, if these guys are going to strike out, like, Ian Happ three times, Rizzo twice – it's, I think, the ability to rebound past that strikeout. So if I'm looking at all these line scores going, the Cubs struck out 10 times today. But every single player on this team but Javi Baez had a hit today. And that, to me, is huge. So the ability of this team, and this is what I look at, right, with them coming into their their third year together. So this is their third album, dude. Like, I'll take the strikeouts, but I'll look for this team now to take on this experience that they've had in the previous years and be able to rebound to be able to rebound and literally take it from at-bat to at-bat. Meaning if if, if yep. I'm in one game and I've struck out three times, knowing that that guy can come in and he's got the the experience and the confidence and the clubhouse dynamic to put those at-bats behind him. And I think that's what this team's done, man. It's his culmination of two really good years or three really good years, and now you've got, oh, shoot, yeah. This is the fourth year of these guys being really together. That's it, man. Holy crap. And they're so young still. What's happening? But that's what I look right. for, man. And the strikeouts, man, don't scare me at all because that ability to just get back up, man, and that's what I love, dude. Um, Absolutely. Holy shoot. Uh, you did a fantasy draft last night, didn't you, man? How'd that go? It, uh, it went really well, honestly. I was happy with my picks. Um, the one pick I was upset about a little bit is my buddies know how big of a Cubs fan I am. They know how big I am. I can share it. So my buddy before me, his name's Tyler. And yeah. he, uh, so I, Contreras was like six down, uh, for the best players available. And there was like five seconds left on the clock. And all of a sudden I see Tyler took a pick and Contreras was gone. And he, he took Contreras Dude, because he I you, wanted man. him to. Yeah, I know he wanted him so bad, or I wanted him so bad. So we're working out a trade right now. You know, I'm kind of like the Theo Epstein of fantasy baseball. Oh, that's what's up. I am gonna get Contreras and gonna screw him over. But no, <laughs> I got like I got like Brent, I got Rizzo, I have um, I have Baez, I have Hap. So they did really good. Those are, and I have Quintana, and I got Montgomery. So obviously some Cubs in there, a little biased, but those are guys that can obviously change any lineup. And then I got. Um, I got Josh Donaldson. I have JD Mart JD Martinez. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah, okay, I maybe. think. I think. But I have I have three forty plus homer guys in my lineup, so I'm looking pretty good. And then I got Marcus Stroman, who I'm a big fan of. And um, who is who is the twin starter today? Opening day starter. They just acquired him from the um, Jake Odorizzi. The right. Yes, I got Odorizzi. I got him on my team. I so think he pitched good today too. Pretty solid. Yeah, he did did pretty well today. I was looking at his stats. So, um, obviously, I'm pretty jacked for my fantasy team. And I think, like I said, I'm going to work out some deals to put me in the best position to win. And I'm kind of like the deep left side of fantasy baseball. Like, just make these trades happen. So, I I did all right, man. Like, I got Kyle Hendricks, dude, which I'm super pumped about, right? He's going to be the horse of the staff. I got Lucas Giolito, Southside guy. Um, I did get Alex Cobb. I got Anthony Swarzak, so we know him a little bit when he was in uh, Milwaukee, right? But listen, Courtney, dude, co-host of the show, Courtney got Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Hugh Darvish, Tyler Chatworth, and Kyle Schwarber. She beat you. She got all five. And on top of that, she's got Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez. Dude, she's loaded, man. Loaded, dude. She's like she has everybody think, in the world. Like I can't even. I think I named like every good player in baseball. Chances are, like the MVPs on her team for sure. And like the problem with this is now, 
is I'm not going to hear the end of it. And by the time this fantasy baseball season's over, I'm going to be on the corner at the intersection in my underwear with like a big cardboard <laughs> sign that says L7 Weenie. And I'm probably going to get a tattoo on my butt of something because there's no way I'm winning this fantasy league, man. Right, dude. You're going to be coming home and she's going to be pregnant and you're just going to go to bed. You're going to have to sleep on the couch probably or kick her to the couch. One of the two, dude. You dude, know, I, it's awful, man. Your wife beat you. How does that feel? How does that feel, man? I, Someone who's big baseball you, you want to know what man? their own wife beat you want to know what, man? It makes what? me feel good, dude. <laughs> I'm so pumped, man. <laughs> I love I'm like, it. I, I got a winner, man. Here's to forever. I'm getting my ass kicked. It's great, dude. Um, I love it. But, but look, look at it this way, my man. The women are always right. The woman is always right. So, you know, she beat you. Just accept it, you know, and move on. It, it, it's, it's the worst, man. But let me tell you this, man. Here's one thing I want to bring up about this Cubs team right now. So, or at least about today's game for this matter. So, John Lester... Only went three and a third, seven hits. So there was uh, the defense. So Kyle Schwarber, I think, uh, missed one off the wall. That led to a triple. And then he let a single get by him. But still what you had is John Lister still gave up seven hits and three runs. I'm not that worried about it. But here's what I'm super pumped about, man. The bullpen pitched a one-hitter. That's what I'm saying. And not only like three innings, they picked up five and two thirds of an innings and only gave up one run. Yeah. And and you know what's even better is that these guys, the bullpen struggled in the postseason, and we couldn't rely on one no, guy. Not at all. And if this is what we're getting in 20, if this is what we're getting in 2018, dude, the bullpen is going to be vital to us moving forward. Dude, this bullpen had a completely different feel from what I've, I mean, this whole game in itself, but like Steve Ciszek, his stuff looked nasty. Like the way he throws a ball, it, I, I couldn't believe it. Justin Wilson came in. He struck out a guy, didn't walk a guy. He, he threw about 19 pitches. Uh, Mike Montgomery kind of did his thing. Pedro Strope again is going to have a sub three ERA, but this bullpen feels good, man. And it's yeah. like, I get like it was just the Marlins, but the Marlins were hitting good today. Right. So Absolutely. like, yeah, like every, like every team can be on, like John Lester's a good pitcher. So if you get seven hits off John Lester and then we put the bullpen in, who's got to do their job and try to save this game. And they did it. Oh, it's probably one of my favorite things from this game is seeing that bullpen yeah. come in and just feeling so good about it, dude. I'm pumped to see Brandon Morrow pitch. I don't know if he'll pitch. Hopefully he'll probably pitch tomorrow, I guess, since he didn't pitch today, but, um, Hopefully, hopefully. I was I was really impressed with Steve Cishek as well, you know. Yeah. I kind of like his approach at the mound, you know, kind of that sidearm slinger, you know. And like you said, Justin Wilson, if we can get that left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen, he's going to be a vital piece to our success because if he gets back to his Tigers form, you're looking at a really, really good back-end pitcher in our bullpen. Mm. And and we went to the MLCS without uh, Justin Wilson. We I we didn't even rely on him in the postseason. So if we can get, you know, guys like them to really get back to their old stuff and we don't have Justin Grimm anymore. We don't have Hector Rondon anymore. Mm-hmm. We, we picked up Brandon Morrow. I'm excited about him. Steve Cizek, you know, Dunstein's back. We got Justin Wilson, hopefully back to his old farm. Our bullpen, man, you know, that's what we rely on late in games and hopefully they can get the job done this season. Yeah, Steve Cizek, he pitched 44 innings last year to a 201. ERA with like a sub one whip like that's a guy that can pitch and then Justin Wilson like 
uh, like I don't watch a ton of like AL Central baseball. Like I'd never watch the Tigers at all. But if you look at Justin Wilson's numbers before he came over, I mean, to get that guy back would be huge because when Joe Madden got him, he was looked at as like this supreme setup guy. And even though he's a lefty, he can face lefties and righties equally. And I always remembered about when him coming to Chicago about the versatility that he offered to be able to come in. He could he could close a game. He could pitch multiple innings, and he can face a lefty or a righty. So that's not a guy that's got to, you know, like with platooning and like having a guy come in and pitch to one guy and pull him out. Like if you've got someone that gets in trouble, he could be Mike Montgomery like times two. So like you have Mike who can do all this stuff, but then Justin Wilson kind of offers that same versatility, which is huge. Yeah, I'm 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 in the same boat as you, man. This bullpen is going to be really good. I'm just I'm jacked for him too because I like I like when the bullpen comes in. and We got some strategic you know moves by Madden, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, what do you think of Schwarber's play in the outfield, man? The two mistakes. Well, I think the thing about Schwarber is you know he's not in there for his defense, and no matter how much weight you're going to lose. You know, Schwarber is Schwarber on defense. I think by the end of the season, you could be, you could see an average defender out of Schwarber. Right now, I would say he's a little under. Uh, you know, he's a little below average. Mm-hmm. But I think that Schwarber, um, he's in there for his bat, and you saw him do what he does. You saw what Schwarber does. He hits bombs. He hits the abus, um, and he he made up for it on his offense. And then I think. You know, Joe Madden, uh, you know, he likes defense. That's why Jason Hayward's in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a defensive guy. So I think if the Cubs can get a two, three, four, five run lead late in games, you'll see Schwarber come out and put a guy like your next guy up in the, you know, on the bench, you know, whether that's Zobris, whether that's Almora, mm-hmm. whether that's Ua or Half, whoever. I think that Schwarber is in there for his bat. And a lot of people say he's a DH. And I don't disagree, but I think he can be an average defender as well. Maybe not someone like Jason Hayward caliber, but I think by the end of the year, and like we said, you know, J- you know Kyle Schwarber hasn't played a full season in the mm-hmm. MLB yet. 2015, he came up or, or halfway through. 16, he goes out with an ACL injury. 17, he struggles, gets sent to the minors, comes back up, has a pretty average, uh, little above average half, second half. So Kyle Schwarber hasn't had, uh, you know, a full season in the outfield. So that's going to come with time. Um, I think that the plays that he had today were, they weren't good, but obviously the Cubs won. That doesn't matter. Obviously, you know, John Lester, John Lester's, like stats are a little skewed because of it. Um, but you know, Kyle Schwarber's in there for his offense and he did what Kyle Schwarber does and that's hit bomb. And he really showed it today. Yeah. And my big part of with this is like the resiliency that he showed, it would have been easy to kind of lose yourself in that moment and get down on yourself and not be yourself up at the plate. But you know, he made the error where he slipped and then misplayed the one that was like deep left and still came in and hit and hit a home run. And to me, like that's huge. And like that shows that like he's growing as a player. So I don't have a problem with him in the outfield at all making the two errors today. If anything, I'm glad he did it because it put him in a situation to grow and get better. And when he made those two plays that weren't so hot and then came out and hit a bomb to right, like that to me is like, okay, like the guy can still play and he's still, that's the confidence that he's built. I think over this past off season with all the training and things like that, because last year he was, about batting a buck 80 pre all-star game. And I know like, that's a guy who like, and even Kyle has said it a hundred times. Like I've never failed at hitting in my entire life. And I've heard you say it, Kyle, a million times. And baseball's this game where like, it's a lot of mental. And I know like, no matter what Schwarber said 
a lot of that was getting to him, you know? And this little taste of, like, watching him mess up and then rebound of it all in the same game, that's what I love so much about this team, and I think that's what you'll see with a lot of them. Because you knew in 2016 this was a Cubs team that even if they were down, like, you always knew they could come back late in the game. And this 2018 team is going to do it, but even better because they're older, they're smarter, they've got a ton more experience. And to me, that was my number one takeaway from this game. They struck out ten times. Happer struck out three. Thank goodness not for the Golden Zombrero. And mistakes were made in the game, but the team rebounded. John Lester off day. Bullpen comes in and rebounds of it. Dude, huge. And that to me, man, this is going to be a good team. Yeah, they, they, they find ways to win, and good teams find good ways to win, and the Cubs did that, and the Cubs will do that, and the Cubs will, always have done that the past four years. They, they find ways to win games. You know, if you look back in 2015, they had a lot of walk-off wins. 2016, we weren't really challenged. Uh, we were a little, you know, we had to face some adversity upcoming up until the All-Star break. But um, like you said, you know, when we talk about Schwarber, I always say the grit because – that guy only wants to get better. And like you said, it was so easy for him to get down on himself. And, but he did it, you know, he came back and helped his team in a big way because adding that insurance in any game is crucial. No matter if it's opening day, you know, a meaningless game or the playoff hitting a home run is crucial to his team. And Kyle Schwarber showed that. And I think that you're going to get a really good cup team that will make mistakes. But like you said, it's all about how you rebound it. Mm -hmm. These young players are wise above their age and they are going to make the the changes. They're going to adapt to the in-game situations and they are going to find ways to win. You know, this team never quits and that's the motto. And that's, that will never change about this team because we, it's a different sense of atmosphere when you, you, it's the Cubs way, you know, there's no other way to put it, but other than the Cubs way to win games, always, always fight, never quit, never get down on yourself and push the next guy forward to seed it's going to be a huge season what do you think how many games do you think they'll win uh my prediction right now is 99 uh it would be cool to get the 100 but what's 102 rather than 97 you know if we get if we get the playoff spot or a number one seed and number two seed in the playoffs what's the difference i think that they'll win 99 games i'm confident i think they have all the potential to be better than the 2016 season and to really go above 103 maybe get 104 maybe get 105 but i think you know this team will find adversity in the middle season they're going to have to rebound like i keep on saying but and they, they will find games to win but i think 99 is a safe bet give or take you know they may bring 100 they may not you know they may go 96 95 you know we had so much adversity in the 2017 season that they won 92 games and still won the NL Central. So, I mean, and you're talking about people were putting a World Series hangover label on them. They still won 92 games. So I would say 99. That's my preseason, uh, you know, prediction, and I'm going to stick with it. And do you think they have? What do you think? Win-wise, I'm good with that, really. Um, I hadn't thought much about that. Most of my thought process has been kind of if they can make it back to the World Series. Because at – so during the offseason, I kind of always had in the back of my head, like, I think the Nationals will make the World Series, right? Like, I kind of thought maybe they were going to be, like, the team to beat in the National League just based on, like, what they've done. Because, like, doing the podcast, like, I've always tried to have, like, this objective approach of, like, okay, like, who do I really think is going to do this? Um, But as this, like, off-seasons went on and, like, while you know, watch spring training and all that stuff, as far as the wins are concerned, I could see them winning 99. I could see them winning – I could see them outperforming 2016 total, which was, like, 102 games. But it's – 
that number for me, I almost don't know how to predict it, but um, I think I don't think they'll have a problem making it to the World Series, though. I think they'll be the best team in the National League just because I think they'll be I think they'll finish with a better record than what the Nationals will for sure, and I think they'll finish with a better record of what the Dodgers will because I think they're a better team than the Dodgers, no matter who the Dodgers have in the pitching or the bullpen. I think Theo in the offseason had things that he needed to address, primarily with the bullpen, but also the starting. And Kyle, you had put this on your Twitter maybe a few months ago about you had compared the starters from like the 2017 starting rotation with the 2018 yep. starting rotation and the additions yep. to it with pulling out Arietta and Lackey and getting you Darvish and Tyler Chatwood and still saving money on that and then fortifying the bullpen. This team can to me can be better than the 2016 team. Yep. And they have everything. They they have absolutely the ability to be better than the 2016 team. It's just yeah. if if they can ride and win games cuz winning is contagious in baseball and if they can do that, there's no doubt that this team can be better than the 2016 World yeah. Series team. So I could maybe go as high as putting them winning like 104 or 105 games just because at this point, I think the maturity is through the roof. Because I almost still cannot believe that the Cubs went as far as they did in 2015 and in 2016 because they were just all a bunch of kids. Like, I remember how I was when I was 23, 24. And these guys were on, like, playing at such a high level with this 108-year drought on their back. And I can't even begin to, like, put it together in my head and then say it in this microphone on what I think this team has done through winning in 2016, through not playing how they wanted to in 2017, and then coming out on the other end in 2018. But to me, the experience of this team is huge, and there's no doubt in my mind that this team is the most powerful team in baseball. Like, I could even go ahead. Like, I would for sure put them ahead of the Astros, and I would for sure have that conversation with the Yankees because I think we'll probably see a Cubs-Yankees World Series for sure. And I don't know what the Yankees are going to do all year, but the Cubs just have this experience, man, that – Tells me they can just win a ton of games. I'm rooting for a Cubs and Yankees World Series. That's my prediction, uh, you know, preseason, and I'm sticking to it because that Yankee team, uh, you know, they can smash. They can really hit. And if Clint Frazier puts it all together and guys like Gabriel Torres, who the Cubs gave oh, up yeah. for the Chapman, you know, he's going to be coming up after that injury that he suffered uh, last season. So, I mean, this, this team, that Yankees team is going to be really, really good in the AL, and they're going to compete with the Astros. And I can see, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I am hoping for a Yankees and Cubs uh, World Series. I'm all for it. I, I think that's what it'll be. I think it'll probably be the Cubs are going to, I don't know. I think, honestly, the NL will look just like it did last year. I think the Cubs will go through the Nationals and go through the Dodgers, and I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of change. Um, as far as the wild card teams are concerned, are you really concerned with anyone in the NL Central? I'm almost getting to be more um, concerned with the Cardinals than the Brewers, I think. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so that you say that. I think at this point I would be a little more concerned about the Brewers. Um, I think that if we're going to talk wild card preseason or early on, I think my wild card prediction is going to be Milwaukee versus Colorado at Coors Field. That's mine. I think the Brewers' offense is going to be good. Um, hopefully, that they can stick. You know, their fans will rely on a healthy Ryan Braun. You know, they still got um, you know Domingo Santana that hits thirty bombs. They still got Yelich and Kane and Travis Shaw. So they have offensive pieces. The only thing that concerns me is their pitching. You know. 
Jimmy Nelson goes down, which they heavily relied on their success last season. They didn't do much to their bullpen to better them, which they blew 25 games. So the Brewers right now could go either way, but I do think the Brewers will prevail because they remind me a lot of the 2015 Cubs team that are very young and have nothing to lose, and they're going to ride the wave. Um, it's just I don't know if they have the depth in their pitching rotation because right now they're going with a four-man rotation with Nelson out and uh, Wade Miley went out. So I have no idea. It's up in the air right now, but if I have to predict that I would be more afraid of the Brewers right now than St. Louis. And I do think the Brewers versus Rockies in Colorado for the wild card game will happen. And I think the Rockies win it. All right, then. Yeah. I don't know if I'm a, a lot of the Rockies are really popular with a lot of riders and stuff. And I can't figure out what, what, what additions did they make in the off season? I know they added Wade Davis, um, Oh, they really loaded Wade up their did. whole bullpen is what they did. That's right. And they, yeah, and they got uh, yeah, they got Wade Davis, which is, he's a huge X factor to lock that down. Hopefully, you know, the ball flies well in Coors Field, so hopefully that won't affect them. But um, I'm just, I think that Arenado, even though we always on Cubs Twitter and everything else, we always <laughs> have that. Nolan Arenado and Chris Bryant, but I think Arenado is a really good player, and I think that he will give the Rockies that push for October. Dude, Along if, with Wade Davis, too. Yeah, yeah. Dude, if you ever, and I know you've probably seen this, Twitter conversations with who's the best third baseman, Nolan Arenado or Chris Bryant, dude, they get hostile, man. Like, nobody wants to hear that Chris Bryant is a better anything than what Nolan Arenado is, man. Like, I think it causes real-life right. fights in real life. Yeah. Like, I know. I love, I love seeing those conversations, and the Rockies uh, Twitter even interacts with me when I do it. <laughs> I think that there's no question that, uh, Chris Bryant is the better overall player uh, yeah. than Nolan Arenado, but obviously he's a better defender, but um, there's a reason why Chris Bryant has an MVP, and I don't think that Nolan Arenado will win one with the Rockies. like He plays at Coors Field, and we all know every the expense that comes with it. So mm-hmm. I think that... Um, you know, no matter who you have on your team, Chris Bryant or Nolan Arenado, it doesn't matter. They're both good players that will give you kind of that upper push, uh, that superstar level. But, um, yeah, I do it. I think Rockies fans take it a little more serious because I think Cubs fans just like to get under their skin a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and it, makes, buddy. It, makes Twitter, it makes Twitter fun. And the Rockies uh, at, you know, their Twitter at is super good with it. And, you know, they have a good time with it. It's all fun and love, and I love it. And it's just, it's a blast to, like, toy with. Yeah, for sure. Dude, I'm thinking what I, the team I'm rooting for most in the wild card, I think is the San Francisco Giants, because I'm so curious, because the Giants went ahead and bucked the trend, and they were like, we're not going to rebuild with a bunch of young guys. We're going to basically add the 2013 All-Star team to our team and see what can happen. (laughs) And that's one of the things I've been so curious to see what happens because I know, like, I talk about it a lot with, like, the intangibles and what, like, type of team, you know, an office can build with building all these players and building, like, the right system for them. And I know, like, I mean, Madison Bumgarner's best years might be behind him. I have no idea. But, like, Evan Longoria and, um, like, Hunter Pence and Anthony McCutcheon, like, those guys have all been good, but not recently, like not last year they weren't. But one of the things I'm most excited to see this year is what kind of intangibles can be brought to light by the San Francisco Giants 
taking a bunch of players that nobody believes can still play and saying, we believe it and getting that many people together of like, like-minded older players to see what type of damage they could do on the field. Even Madison Bumgarner said he would rather play with a bunch of guys that have been there before. And I feel like in San Francisco, they've built some sort of like different belief system that might carry them pretty far past their, what their physical abilities have been within the last year. So like my wild card, like, I think I want to go the Giants and the Cardinals, and I think that's how it'll look. Yeah, the thing <laughs> – I'm a little biased towards uh, the Giants a little bit. I was – I lost interest, and I'm kind of all over – like, I'm over uh, the Giants because just the fact of the even years of their championships, I was so annoyed <laughs> with the mainstream media bringing it up. Oh, it's an even year. The Giants are going to win. The yeah. Giants are going to do this and that. And then obviously for three straight even years, they did that. But I was just so annoyed with it that I'm kind of over the Giants at this point. And hopefully, you know, they, they're kind of like that team that could go each way. Obviously losing Matt Bum uh, for five to six weeks wasn't in anyone's plan. So that's a huge loss for them. But um, they could, you know, they, they pick up Longoria, they pick up McCutcheon, they have all these pieces, and hopefully that, uh, you know, their pitching staff gets it together. But they could either go either way. Like, they could slump or they could hit. And I don't know. I'm just kind of over that team and their model. <laughs> I'm over you guys. You're the worst. I know. That's, that's exactly how I feel on that. All right, man. Well, we'll close this thing out, but we have to talk about one more thing, man. So Anthony Rizzo's home run – um, obviously he was in Florida where he went to high school at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas high school. I don't think is very far from where the Miami Marlins play. And here's a quote. This was after the game. He said, I've hit a lot of home runs and that was probably the most out of body experience I've had hitting a home run in my life. It just felt really good. My emotions on opening day are usually pretty high, but with all this, you can't really put it into words, man. That home run was huge, man. He went in the dugout. Um, he said some words, looked up um, after he crossed home plate, gave someone a hug in the dugout and said a few words. To me, man, that was – I kind of forgot about it, man, up until I got to this point. But that was huge in the game, man. And I think it just – I continue to be impressed by what Anthony Rizzo does as a human being and realize how lucky the Chicago Cubs are to have him and how lucky baseball is to have a guy like that. Yeah, Absolutely that home run just showed you that sometimes moments in the game can be bigger than baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, when Anthony Rizzo hit that home run, um, obviously he's hit so many home runs in his career, but that one stands out a little bit, just like it hits close to home. You know, he's so active in that community during, during the healing process, everything else. So when he hit that home run, it was surreal, not only for him, but everybody in the stadium, you know, they stood up, they clapped for him. Mm -hmm. Even though there were a lot of Cubs fans there, there was also some Marlins fans there as well. So everybody kind of knew what that home run not only meant for him, but the community and everyone affected by it. And when he touched home plate, like you said, he looked up in the sky, kind of patted his chest a little bit and, teammates in the dugout were giving him hugs and kind words and everything else and it, you know, Rizzo said before the game like it's going to be an emotional game today and just to do that and just to show that sometimes these moments in baseball can just be mean a little bit more than just a little game uh that definitely was significant and it was huge not only for Anthony Rizzo and the Cubs but it was huge for the community as well because Anthony Rizzo is a role model and the Cubs are lucky to have him. And everybody wants to see on his chest, but no matter if they do give him one or not, he's always the captain of this team. And what he does off and on the field, just it speaks volumes to the type of person he is. And like you said, 
Cubs fans are really blessed to have him on their team. And like I cover the Cubs 24 seven and everything he does amazes me. And he's the perfect role model and face of this franchise that you want on your team. Him and Bryant both. Uh, they are great role models for this youth, and I think that if you're going to look up to one player on the Cubs, it has to be Anthony Rizzo, just the role model he is. Yeah, it just impresses me so much when athletes – I mean, Anthony Rizzo, it shows that he is such a selfless player and a selfless yeah. human being. It's other people before him no matter what, man. Um, you know, he's always looking out for people, always watching out for people, always boosting people up, and that's just – it, and it feels also like a little selfish to talk about this when like 17 people actually lost their life. But I'm glad that Rizzo's kind of like stepped up and, you know, when he's asked about it, he's honest and he says powerful words. And I'm hoping, you know, I mean, it's just, I, I hope it leads to some sort of change or whatever it is that needs to come out of this. And I think that Rizzo's a great guy to do that. Rizzo's doing uh, doing everything he can to bring awareness to the situation using his platform, and you can't ask for anything else. Mm-mm. All right, man. Well, I think we might close this bad boy out. What else do you got, man? Anything we're forgetting? Not a whole lot. I mean, the baseball season is back. The Cubs are back, and it's going to be a fun season, Quentin. It's going to be a fun season, bro. I'm so jacked. Dude, I was so like pumped well I guess I'm just gonna start watching games on repeat as soon as this thing's over and we shut this show down (laughs) but I can tell you this man I don't think I really know how to run a podcast because I was like okay like I'm gonna watch a bunch of games and then post some stuff and like really cover it dude I don't know what happened man I was trying to watch five games at once and like I can't do that so I'm gonna have to just like watch everything over again (laughs) dude you're a pro you're a pro (laughs) give yourself props dude the stuff you do on social media and for this podcast speaks volumes to the type of person you are. So you're doing a great job. And I love, you know, you influenced me to start a podcast. So that speaks volumes to where you stand or how much I look up to you because I have so much fun coming down here and talking baseball with you. I wanted to express my own self on my own platform. And, man, you, you give me the ability to express myself on your platform first and I can do it on my own now, but you gave me some motivation, and I appreciate you to let me come on this podcast and do what I do. Dude, well, I appreciate you saying that, man, and congratulations on getting the podcast off. I don't think I ever gave you a formal congratulations. I just let you know that I listened to it, man, but the podcast was phenomenal. So if anybody Absolutely. Uh, wants to listen to a good podcast, um, Cubs Live, I found you on iTunes, man. Where, can, where else can you be found? Uh, you, can, you can find us right now on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. We use... Um, a video platform that you can, uh, you know, you know, mix down the video to an MP3 and that's how we post the podcast. But we also have visuals too, for people that like to be visual. So you can see our faces and everything else. So you can follow us at, uh, Cubs underscore live in on Twitter. But for the podcast, you can find us on Cubs live on YouTube, just YouTube it. And on SoundCloud as well, just type in Cubs live and you will find the podcast there. And if you're on iTunes, you can just type in Cubs live on the podcast app. And you can find us there to talk everything cup and hear me ramble about my freelance work. Yes. All right, Kyle, we'll let you go, brother. We appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Quentin. Let's go Cubbies. Yes, sir. Take care.